Hello, tribe, and welcome to the Free Radicals podcast. My name is Tori. And my name is Jeremy, and this is our premiere episode of this podcast. We've been getting requests from a lot of our viewers to do something like this, um, whether they're driving or on public transport, they wanted something they could listen to. And Tori and I have talked about this for a while. We have these conversations over morning tea and just thought that we would share them with you guys. Yeah, we've always wanted to make a podcast of just us kind of having a conversation on the many things that we talk about on a daily basis that you guys all think about. So by popular demand, this is our first podcast. Please give us your feedback on it and whether or not we should continue with this endeavor or just stick to our YouTube videos. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know how this is going to turn out, but what we wanted to talk about today uh, the topic that we chose for our first video is reviewing left-wing media outlets both before the pandemic and kind of what's happened afterward because we've noticed some changes in them during this period and we just wanted to discuss who we still trust, who we feel is providing the best information right now, and who may not be. Yeah, if you're not familiar with our YouTube channel, we cover left-wing politics and add our own personal opinions on it. And a lot of our viewers are curious who we trust for our news source and the kind of media that we like to listen to. And a lot of our readers are, or a lot of our viewers are avid readers as well. And we like to talk about different authors that we like to read. So that is kind of what we'll be discussing today. Yes, indeed. Uh, so without further ado, let's just jump in and not meander like Russell Brand or somebody. <laughs> Oops, love you, Russell. <laughs> um, yeah, first, let's talk about the king of podcasts, Joe Rogan, who has more viewers than any other, or more listeners, I should say, than any other podcast out there. And everyone has very strong opinions on Joe. A lot of people aren't really sure how to feel about him at all. I kind of think that's where we lie right now. Yeah, it, when we start talking about left media, we're not trying to imply that Joe Rogan is left uh, at all. He, If anything, he is an FDR centrist. <laughs> and, 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 and that's where it stops. And it depends on what video you're listening to. Because sometimes... He really elevates and praises some people with some very toxic ideas like Jordan Peterson and Sean Baker, the carnivore doctor, and several other people who are scammers um, at first glance to most people. But Rogan seems really into them. We don't know if there's some kind of cross-promotional deal going on or what the case may be, but he is a conundrum for that reason. Yeah, because at the same time as having Peterson and like Ben Shapiro and Candace Owens on, he also has some awesome left-leaning people like Abby Martin. And uh, didn't he have Edward Snowden on? I don't remember if he did or not. He, he might have. I know that he has like, he's had Crystal Ball and Sager Crystal, on yeah. and Kyle Kalinske and... Yeah, Kyle. Yeah. And we're going to talk about all those people today, too. We are. We're going to get So he them. really kind of spans the spectrum of people that he has on his show, mm -hmm. which is why it's hard to pinpoint his political views. And we certainly do not agree with him on the majority of things. <laughs> um, like, 
his views on um, veganism are obviously very harsh. He doesn't have a whole lot of love for plant eaters because he's a hunter macho man. <laughs> yeah, we, let, let's just talk about that real quick because I think that for young men especially, Joe Rogan's brand of hyper macho, uh, combative, tough guy, I'm a hunter, I, I'm, I'm into all these like rugged man things, like... I just, I don't think it's very positive, especially for young men who are very insecure and very susceptible to getting sucked into that. Not all young men. You, you, you cool young guys know who you are. But for a lot of them, it's very seductive and very toxic, and it makes them think that if they're not a tough guy, like Joe Rogan portrays himself to be, then they may not be an alpha. It's so corny. It's so corny. Isn't his supplement called Alpha Brain? Oh, yes. Yeah, it's and a brain supplement. It'll help you form sentences better, he says. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, only bought by people with beta brains. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and D- Joe, you know, he used to have hair, and he was always been insecure about his height, and I think that his dad and him had a more or less abusive relationship. Totally. He has a lot of cofactors for, like, ending up with a chip on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like being all those things at once, you know, short, bald, abused. That can have a bad effect on people's psyche if you're not careful of it. Now, those are not reasons why you should be insecure. It's just sometimes it ends up that way. Yeah. But he really leaned into, I'm going to be a macho man despite all the factors working against me. Mm-hmm. And got into, you know, fighting, MMA... And Fear Factor, which is just a show based on pure macho adrenaline, self-glorifying, all that stuff. (laughs) But, you know, in in this day and age, we're trying to undo toxic masculinity. We're trying to make guys understand that it's okay to be softer and in touch with their emotions. Mm -hmm. And Joe Rogan still seems to be clinging on to that teenage boy inside of him. And because he's so popular and because he spans a spectrum... He really does speak to a lot of people, especially young people. And I just don't know if the ideology that he represents is exactly healthy for our 21st century males. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, I don't really have anything else to add to that. Um, we, we've given Rogan too much time already. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately, I will say I appreciate him and his work because he has brought a lot of subjects to the forefront of conversations that people don't normally talk about like drugs like drug positivity yeah i mean his his contributions in that field are invaluable and Um, consciousness in platforming bernie for like what was one of the most popular podcasts i think of that year and it was very widely shared and it was an excellent conversation and he's had better conversations with politicians than any news outlet. He even had Tulsi Gabbard on when no other media outlet would cover her. Indeed. And I, I have very mixed feelings on Tulsi Gabbard, but the conversation that he had with her was quite good. So the other big name in leftist media who's actually been on Joe Rogan would be Kyle Kalinske with Secular Talk. So um you have all probably heard of kyle he's got a billion views on youtube he's extremely popular in left-wing uh youtube i personally really like kyle 
I think that his voice is a very important one. Mm -hmm. He calls out corruption. He's also funny, so it's digestible for a lot of people who are maybe just getting into politics to hear his message and like keep watching. I do like his bourgeois voice that he does to make fun <laughs> of people. Yeah, I, I like Kyle a lot. I mean, I think that he's, he's definitely responsible for a lot of positive uh, contributions toward moving the political conversation toward a more progressive sphere. I mean, he's not all the way there, obviously. Uh, he, he seems more like a social democrat to me. And he, there, Kyle does have a line. You know, it seems like he has a line. Or how left he'll go? Yes, it seems like he has that. Now, when you're making probably upwards of $20,000 a month like Kyle is, does that influence your opinion of how far left you want to go? Maybe. Yes, Kyle Kalinske does make that much money. I saw his, yeah. pa his Patreon a few months ago. Just his Patreon alone was over 15000 And then he also does interviews with media companies, and I'm sure he makes money off of. And then he does get money from YouTube, although they do demonetize him a lot for just saying cuss words and stuff but regardless um you know he does seem to have like a barrier of how far left although maybe that needle's been moved a lot since this election started because i remember when the shadow app thing went down he made, he posted a tweet like this shit is radicalizing me dog <laughs> <laughs> i think he really has moved further left since this election this democratic 2020 primary and I think it's radicalized a lot of us, honestly. Mm -hmm. Even I've become more radicalized since this election because it's just been such a sham. But I think even in 2016, Kyle was saying that he was going to vote for Hillary Clinton because he's in New York and it was like the best thing for him to do to get a Democrat in there. No one really wanted Trump. But this year, he said no way will he vote for Joe Biden. So he's not pushing the vote blue no matter who card, which is a huge plus in my book. Yes, he has evolved uh, to where he's came out and said that he just will not support the Democrats this year. And that's definitely progress. I mean, I'm, I'm encouraged by seeing him do that. Yeah, and he's been doing YouTube for almost 10 years, maybe more than that. Yeah. So it, it's been cool to watch people grow and go more left and be more radical and not care what other people think. Yes, the only complaint that I have about Kyle is he is he is really big on the individual uh, actions do not impact climate change um, propaganda. And it is propaganda because it absolutely does. He does not want to take any responsibility for the very unhealthy diet that he eats and like speaks openly about it to his viewers like whenever everything was going down the you know the, when covid was first uh starting to do its thing he was going to uh or actually no it was it was during the primary he said that he went to five guys to like do stress relief you know <laughs> And I'm like, okay, dude, I don't know if with a platform of your size, if you should be like putting out the message that, you know, hey, if you're stressed out or depressed, you should go to Five Guys and eat a fast food meal. Like, I, <laughs> I, I you know, that that's just a personal thing that I have. Um, but he also, he always poo-poos the idea that like individual changes will make an impact on climate change, which they will. We can do collective action without legislation and we could have some positive results from that. Is it enough on its own? Probably not. You know, it's just a supplemental form of protest. It's a supplemental form of affecting change.
But to say that it has no impact, I think, is dishonest. And it is kind of like, well, I had this behavior that I know isn't good for the environment, that I know does cause problems and has a lot of exploitation and suffering behind it. But I'm just going to say that individual behaviors don't impact the overall society so that that way I don't have to hold myself accountable. That's kind of the vibe that I get whenever I hear that stuff. But what do you think? <laughs> I think that that is highly debatable for a lot of leftists. Seems to be two camps, you know, one side just thinks that legislation and policy is the only way that we're going to curb climate change and get companies who are major polluters to not do that and ruin our environment. But then other people think that we don't just need politicians to do it for us. We can also contribute or not contribute to the suffering of our climate by not engaging in uh, eating behaviors or any sort of lifestyle habits that would cause pollution, I guess, you know, because livestock is a very heavily polluting industry. They're tearing down the Amazon just to grow corn and soy to feed to cows, not even being fed to humans. So, yeah, I think that that would be a great debate to have with somebody one time. Maybe we can have someone on the podcast or on the channel to debate personal action versus policy changes for uh, changing our world. <laughs> I know a few people in the tribe that would probably accept the invitation for that debate. Yeah, I that's do too. Good. That, that's why I love our comment section and our group because we do have a lot of differing opinions and we debate them in good faith without getting butthurt about it and it's, it's a positive space for that. Alright, so moving on. Yeah. Kyle, um, let's talk about TYT, the Young, the Young Turks. Turks. And Kyle's been a huge part of the Young Turks. Like mm -hmm. he, he comes on all the time. Cenk has... I haven't seen him on there for a long time. Well, that's the thing. Kyle and Cenk are butting heads right now, especially on Twitter, about voting for Joe Biden. And then as far as, you know, judging TYT as a whole, I don't think is fair because they do have a diversity of personalities there. And also, I think the scope of their leftism varies from person to person totally like jank he calls himself a capitalist all the time and i did and he said he always says it the same way like i'm a capitalist and, <laughs> uh, uh, and it makes my skin crawl every time he does it and also some of his takes on twitter are just horrific yeah. like the like whenever he made that one fairly recently saying that we should uh punish red states by taking away funding from them because they're welfare queens or something because republican politicians try to vote to defund social programs so we should punish red states which is a horrific take because it would just hurt poor people yeah. in red states and it would not affect the politicians who do that at all and we know that these people that are repeating these things are just victims anyway i mean i come from a very conservative area and it's yeah it's, it's just, uh, you, you end up getting sucked into it unless you try really hard to teach yourself something else. Well, that's the problem that I have with Jank and TYT as a whole, because they want to lead the progressive army, right? They have the wolf pack, which is supposed to be like the new left. And in so many ways, like on so social issues and, you know, they're very anti-war, on things like that, they are very progressive. 
But it just this whole voting thing is really getting to me because how could you shame your viewers into voting for a shill, a corporate shill like Joe Biden, who has so many uh, pharmaceutical donors to the point where he will never give us Medicare for all, mm -hmm. ever. Like he's not progressive whatsoever, and Chank is trying to shame people into voting for him, and that really messes with me because you have such a huge platform and a powerful voice to where you really could lead the left into this new era away from the Democrats who have moved so far to the right that they're unrecognizable. But he just refuses to do that, and I don't know why. Is it some donor issue with him? Maybe he's taking money from somebody who won't let him be progressive in the sense of voting. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like they're all in on being super progressive until Bernie Sanders gets cheated, blatantly cheated, and then all of a sudden they're vote blue no matter who. And That's not progressive. It, it's not, and I've seen them follow that same trajectory uh, the last two elections. I mean, this is like a basic repeat of what happened uh, in... 2016 with them but as far as like individuals that are there like jank i don't know i mean like he i i don't i don't i don't think i trust him really <laughs> or his takes on things um john i like a lot john adarola i do like him I, it seems like his heart's really in in the right place and you know while he may not be quite as left as as we are uh, i i still he seems like a good person that's coming from a genuine place uh, i like anna you know she's very feisty. Yeah, Anna's uh, awesome. She is like I I I like her her energy. Um, I mean she she's definitely more of a neo lib than I am I think and in the in egalitarian <laughs> like like not I'm not saying she's a full on neo lib but I mean I think that she's more toward the you know work hard and and everything will work out for you camp. I could be wrong. Yeah. It's just just the impression that I get. And and what was. Don't quote us on this. Look it up for yourself. There's an episode of the Moderate Rebels podcast uh, from Max Blumenthal and Edward Norton. Edward Norton. <laughs> ben Norton. <laughs> Not the actor. Uh, yeah, yeah. A man of many talents. Um, but, uh, they talked about uh, Anna and Michael Brooks and somebody. Well, Anna and Michael Brooks were supposed to like team up and do some sort of... YouTube something, but they went to some convention and An Anna gave a interview, interview to, to like was it Madeline Albright I think yeah like and apparently she asked really softball questions yes and, and I mean again don't quote us on that go it's it's the Moderate Rebels episode we'll from, try to link it in the description. yeah we will so you you can look into it for yourself but yeah it was very uh, very interesting to hear that anyway moving on from TYT. Um, so David Dole, the Rational National, we like him. He's pretty solid. Yeah, he's a Canadian. Yep. And he really cares about American politics. Mm -hmm. Thinks that across the border we should have the same social programs, like mm -hmm. free uh, health care, obviously. But he has good takes. He's not bad. No. And he's really moving up there in the YouTube world. Yeah, yeah, I like him. I mean, again, I think he still comes off as a social Democrat, which is fairly natural to expect because he's Canadian and uh, they have they're closer to that than we are um, but yeah overall a healthy voice I haven't really seen him do or say anything that I, I, I wasn't happy about at all um, the humanist report mm -hmm. Mike Figueredo uh, <laughs> I think it's yeah Figueredo maybe he's really great yeah. I like him a lot
loves talking shit to Neera Tandon. He does. Like he 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 lives to troll Neera Tandon. Although I'm sure he's probably been banned by now. The last the last thing yeah. I, I last time I saw him go after her was a while ago. But yeah, he's definitely on the right side. Yeah, he is, and he's very passionate. And his passion gets away from him sometimes. He's also been doing YouTube about ten years, and he's yeah. finally becoming a well-known voice in leftist media so good for you mike yeah and he actually made the comment that views had gone down since uh all this happened i think i think maybe since the primary was wrapped up as far as people were concerned and they were just maybe people were just so disenfranchised and feeling cheated by how the because that that's what they mainly were was was channels like that like the rational national and and even kyle to some extent and the humanist report they were just major election coverage and well it was daily news stories exactly but but i mean their numbers were really high when the primary was like at its peak like in las vegas where it looked like bernie was going to win like i know kyle especially was getting a crazy amount of views because people were just really engaged and then whenever they figured it was over i mean honestly i can't say that i haven't felt the same way like mostly once covid really broke out i just became kind of like a recluse i almost completely stopped listening to all my favorite leftist media because i just was so disenchanted and disenfranchised by the whole thing especially yeah the election was stolen it seemed and no one's taking care of us during a pandemic a global crisis and it just felt like what's the point (laughs) you know even Abby Martin, who we're going to talk about later, said that she just stopped listening to news because mm-hmm. it's just like you feel that sense of apathy that you can't do anything because the problems are just so great that it's hard to really see a way out. So kind of retreat into things that are comfortable, like your favorite TV show. Or We're guilty of that. Yeah. We Since the pandemic's been going on, we've been watching Deep Space Nine. It's a Star Trek. Yeah, it's a Star Trek show, in case you don't know. Also watching some Smallville. The Superman show. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's not not groundbreaking, uh, you know, uh, first-class media or anything, but sometimes you just need a release, you know? Like like nostalgia is a hell of a drug, a drug that can be very much abused if you're not careful. But in small doses... It's a nice escape, you know? We don't need to be thinking about the world coming to an end 24-7. Plus, those shows have philosophy embedded in its content, which shows these days seem to really be lacking a philosophical message. Yeah, like there is no moral to shows anymore, is They there? don't really make you think. It's just all action and hyper-stimulation. And ultra-realism, yeah. which is like what people are trying to achieve now. And we don't want to be in the real world. <laughs> uh, I mean, at least not all the time. I mean, I mean, hopefully anybody that knows us is listening to this understands that Tori and I are not people that just check out and watch TV shows all the time. That's just not who we are. We prefer to be paying attention most of the time, but you need to tend your mental garden a little bit as well and just maybe sometimes take a break for at least an episode or something a day, maybe. Step away from social media, step away from just thinking about it and worrying about it because we've all been worrying so much these past few months. And your body breaks down. I mean, Tori's, she feels better now, but she wasn't feeling very good and it was probably just stress. I really do think that the stress made me sick. Like I, my body just said, all right, time to shut down. You've been in hyper overdrive. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. But yeah, part of healthy activism and the way to keep it going for an extended period of time or your whole life to be an activist, you have to continuously be taking care of yourself and making sure that your mental stress is under control. Oh boy, do you. Otherwise, you can't do the work. Yeah, I mean, like I've, I've felt enough under pressure eating as healthy as we do and exercising as often as we do. I couldn't imagine just not doing any of that and trying to cope with this stress. It would just be unimaginable. Uh, But moving on, we have one more person that kind of fits into that category, uh, Kim Iverson, that we wanted to talk about because she she is also a conundrum, you know, like not quite the conundrum that Joe Rogan is, but since the pandemic's been happening, like I've seen a few episodes of hers where she is sharing like some outright right-wing talking points as far as yeah conspiratorial um talking points that come from like steve bannon's camp uh and, and the kind of narrative that they're trying to uh construct about covid being a bioweapon that was maybe released from china and a lot of this stuff now she has absolutely platformed you know, some very good people as well, which is why she falls under the conundrum label. Um, But we have seen a shift in her uh, coverage the last couple months, like since all this has been going on. And we were wondering if, you know, maybe she's going to pull a Dave Rubin in the near future (laughs) and kind of switch sides. (laughs) I mean, you know, we're not saying this for sure. It's just like a vibe. Um, that we maybe picked up on a little bit. We'd like to know what you guys think, if you want to leave that in the comments, if you listen to Kim Iverson, like if you've noticed the same things that we have. But what do you think, honey? Honestly, I'm not sure because I never really watched her show that much. Mm-hmm. I've only seen, you know, 20 episodes maybe. Okay. So I don't have a very solid opinion on her. But I will say, as soon as COVID came out, she was kind of selling the fear-mongering of this could be a bioweapon released by the United States. And she scared the shit out of me. (laughs) I had nightmares that night thinking, oh my God, what if our own government did this to us? And you know what? The verdict is still out on that. We don't know 100% where it came from. A lot of people are saying it's 100% impossible for it to have been manufactured and released by a lab. Um, But at the same time, it's like, how do you know the day that we learn about COVID that it comes from a wet market in Wuhan, China? You know, like that's extremely specific. So mm-hmm. I don't, we're going to have to wait until declassified uh, FOIA documents come out. So that way we know what really happened, I think. It's going to be a while before the truth is out. I was just reading an article in Forbes because I'm a glutton for punishment. Uh, but no, I was reading that yesterday. And they were saying that a, a study that came out of Norway or something showed that it was. And there was people trying to discredit the study and that's really all that i know based off reading that story at this point but you know there's definitely a concerted effort to blame all of this on china and that is coming from some very nefarious right-wing forces like steve bannon and his crew so i don't take it seriously until i have evidence but the saddest part about this whole thing is that if you know anything about our intelligence agencies that this would just be par for the course i mean like if we did do this like it i mean yes i'd be a little shocked that they went this far but they've done stuff 
somewhat like this in their history. So, you know, it, it's just, uh, it's sad that like when you hear a conspiracy theory that is that outrageous, that there's even a part of you that entertains it because of the past behavior of our intelligence agency. Didn't the CIA do the Tuskegee experiments where they gave black people syphilis? I don't know if that was the CIA specifically, but our government did, yeah. Yeah, so mm -hmm. it's not, and we invented Agent Orange, Monsanto did. And, and we just sprayed it. And we sprayed it all <laughs> over the yeah. Vietnam uh, warriors, giving all their children birth defects and cancers, so it's like, we are fine with chemical warfare? Well, yes, I mean, <laughs> and we're the only country that's ever used a nuclear weapon twice. Uh, we're the only... Uh, like like Sidney Gottlieb, the poisoner in chief of the mm -hmm. CIA, like regularly like you know poisoned people and developed ways of doing so. So it's our intelligence agencies have a very dark history that, that's verified fact. So that's why entertaining something like this uh, isn't that far fetched. But we'll have to wait and see what evidence actually comes out. But yeah, any sort of anti-China rhetoric that comes out of our media, whether it's the leftist media or mainstream news, we should be cautious Very of skeptical. what we believe as far as China goes, because they are trying to become the next world superpower. Mm -hmm. They're overtaking us in many ways. They're trying to cut the United States out of a lot of things, including the dollar. They're not trying. They have. Yeah. They, they've, they've cut us out of the loop with, with, with several countries. And, and they're teaming up with our enemies. Yeah, and they did that by actually fulfilling their side of the bargain when they make a deal with countries. Now, I'm not saying that the Chinese government is made up of good people they're certainly not most likely but when it comes to making deals and actually following through on them and being a more honorable partner their strategy is probably a lot more appealing to countries than the US's strategy of do what we say we're going to bully you into doing it and if you don't like it then we'll overthrow you I mean yep. That's pretty much like how we deal with other countries. So if China is moving ahead of us in that regard, that's probably why. Um, but let's move on to Jimmy Dore and his crew. Yeah. Because uh, they also are a little polarizing on the left. Um, I don't know if it's for good reason or not. But, I mean, Jimmy himself... Jimmy, I wouldn't say that he qualifies as a conundrum, but Jimmy definitely like rubs some people the right way and rubs others the wrong way, just because he is very angry. He can get quite belligerent in his <laughs> show. Uh, he does kind of bulldoze his guests. Like he's talking 80% of the time in any interview that he does for the most part. And he's very funny, so like we enjoy what he has to say. Yes. But sometimes I want to hear what his guests have to say and he just interrupts them all the time. Yeah, and like even when he has journalists on, like, you know, he's he'll have Aaron Mate on there and, and he'll he'll do more of the talking and Aaron just takes it like a champ, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he definitely um, He's been a very positive influence, I think, especially for getting people to realize the Democratic Party for what they are, because mm -hmm. uh, he really spends more time bagging on them than anybody, and rightfully so, because they are heinous. Um, but as far as the rest of his crew, like, well, why, why, why don't you give me your thoughts on Jimmy first, then? Well, I think that Jimmy is a necessary force in left tube, mm -hmm. leftist media, because... 
he does have a way of bringing people on the right and in the center closer to the left mm -hmm. and he himself is moving closer to the left the more he does his show mm -hmm. um so we need someone who can kind of unite other belief systems with the left and he has a really good way of doing that i think joe rogan does that he too does. to certain extents like like bringing on bernie and, and stuff like that like he, he platforms people on the right he absolutely does but let's not forget that he's had some pretty epic interviews with leftists as well that have changed a lot of people's minds so yeah that's again, why i say ultimately i think they're they're good and mm -hmm. necessary and we need jimmy mm -hmm. and we need joe and we need people like that who can bring in people from more conservative ideology and kind of de-radicalize them <laughs> yes um as far as the rest of his crew uh, i really like steph a lot she's funny she's real sweet miserable liberal yeah <laughs> i i she's i i think she's jimmy's handler kind of like <laughs> she i think maybe she's off camera when he starts going too crazy she's like okay calm down calm down <laughs> uh it, it's really funny those those two together they just seem cute are they a couple i have no idea oh i don't know like they they kind of they they give that vibe and they don't i, I don't know if they are or not but Graham Elwood, like he kind of came from that, that crew, and I like his YouTube channel a lot. I like his takes. He kind of reminds me of us a little bit, actually, the way that he does his, um, he just talks about like how the system, you know, uh, should change and we should have the, you know, the Green New Deal was just a video he did the other day. And it sounded very similar to ours, not, of course, accusing him of plagiarizing our video. <laughs> it, it's just a take that most people should have at this point, if you know what the problems are in the world. Um, what do you think of him? Yeah, I mean he's great. <laughs> I don't mm -hmm. I don't really watch him that much either. I have only seen a couple episodes, mm -hmm. but um, whenever he's on Jimmy and they have that panel mm -hmm. at the comedy show, I think that's such a cool setup. It is. They have like three or four people or whatever, and they're all kind of drinking and having fun, and they have a live audience. Well, they used to before coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, Abby Martin was up there with them a couple times. Yeah, and yeah. everyone there, it's like a prerequisite that you have to be smart and funny. So it's always a good show. Yeah, usually the jokes are really solid when they do that live show, mm -hmm. which, I mean, COVID put an end to that, didn't it? Sure did. <laughs> uh, and Ron Placone. Yeah. He's really cool, too. Mm -hmm. uh, I like his takes on Twitter. Um, and, yeah, I've, I've watched his videos and listened to him on several people's show, and he's, he's definitely solid. Yeah, it's cool watching everyone from that group kind of grow and break off and do their own things. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's move on to some more... Uh, well, one particular established news source that has been a very popular left-wing news source for a long time. And they definitely don't qualify as a conundrum, I don't think. They're, no. they're, they're definitely ultimately a positive force on the left. But they do have some glaring problems if you really pay attention to foreign policy, uh, for example. And some of you may know who we're talking about already. We're talking about democracy now. Uh, so Amy Goodman is I awesome. I love Amy Goodman. Yeah, like I, I love Amy too. And she's she's really, she's been through a lot. Um, she, she, she's definitely an old soul. Uh, and I think she, she oozes compassion. I, I, I think that that's what, that's what I get from her. Yeah. But uh, as a whole, the news organization, I, I think, has had some issues, especially on their foreign policy coverage um, it's very hit or miss. Like sometimes their takes are really good. Like um, when it came to Evo Morales and, and Bolivia, I thought their take was just completely right and solid across the board. 
Uh, Venezuela, for the most part, I think they report fairly honestly on that. There, there have been a few things I've heard them report on Venezuela where I was like, eh, I don't know, it's maybe a slightly neoliberal take on it. Um, but then when you come to, to things like in Yemen, Yemen, right? Their, their Yemen coverage is really good. Uh, but China and um, Syria, like some, some of their reporting on those two situations has definitely left uh, something to be desired for me. What, what do you think about them overall? So I think that if you just want to get the headlines and kind of get inspired to do social justice work, then Democracy Now! is definitely an organization that you want to watch every day. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, they've been around for decades at this point, 20 years or so. Mm -hmm. And they're very much old school social justice Democrats. And their reporting shows that. Um, but what I really love about them is how much they do report on social issues, not just in America, but around the world. Like, they're very good at talking about the social justice issues in Mexico, mm -hmm. which is extremely underreported because our media has convinced our population that Mexico is evil. <laughs> but there's nothing but rapists and criminals there, honey. Yeah, that's all that they would come over here to do is rape and steal from us, right? <clears throat> So social justice issues are great for democracy now. And Amy Goodman, like you said, is just a compassionate old soul. I love her. But it seems her co-host, uh, Nermeen Sheikh, also the producer of Democracy Now!, has some ties to anti-China groups, mm -hmm. which would possibly influence their coverage on China. And a lot of people are saying that the Uyghur Muslim concentration camps that were set up in China are not even really happening. Yeah. But Democracy Now! is reporting on it like it is fact. Mm -hmm. And all of that kind of fans a race war in China. So who is benefiting from this information? I don't know if it's true or not, but other reporters that I really trust say that it's not happening. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of something that makes me raise my eyebrows when I listen to their show. Yeah, the whole Uyghur thing is either it's, I've heard mixed reporting, either it's not really happening or they're not like re-education camps or anything of the sort. They're, you know, like social programs that they're doing. I've heard a mixed bag on that. I just know that any narrative that's coming out of corporate media, I question it automatically. Um, and, and I'm not somebody that, that says that corporate media is lying all the time. Like it's... They lie where it really matters, and they do lie very often, but I don't think necessarily just because it's out of corporate media that it means it's necessarily untrue by default. I think that's dichotomous thinking, and it can be very dangerous. But as far as China goes, I'm not trusting anybody's coverage on that now because it did start off with just like Steve Bannon and their little disinformation network. Robbie Martin did an excellent uh, Media Roots podcast, like detailing just how many examples of it there were coming out of like the far right oligarch crew. But now it's kind of like all mainstream media is doing this anti-China thing because maybe that's what the military-industrial complex has their eyes set on for either an elevated Cold War that would bring profits for a very long time. I would hope not an all-out war. I mean, we are both they, have nuclear weapons. Yeah, are, are they that desperate to like rescue this economy from the point of no return, which it seems like that we're at, that they'll like start a war with a major superpower in order to 
bolster you, everything. You need oil to have war, mm -hmm. so that might reinvigorate the oil market. And everything that happened with the whole oil crash and like, you know, these countries kind of not using the U.S. dollar anymore, like all of that really changes the global landscape. And maybe that's just a video we need to do on its own because it's such a huge issue and what the implications of all that are mm -hmm. for how the whole relations of the globe is going to be from this point forward are staggering if you, if you understand like how relations have been up to this point. Yeah, that, that's a big conversation. Let's let's just let's just shelve that to a, <laughs> a different episode. Anyway, yeah, like democracy now, mostly positive, but a mixed bag. Would that be a fair? I think yeah, their domestic coverage is probably a lot less biased than mm -hmm. their foreign coverage. Yes. So that's exactly the. I, I think that's we listen the to their headlines every day, though. Yeah, because like they 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 normally have good headlines, except if there's a foreign policy headline, just take it with a grain of salt yeah, and go, go verify it. That yeah, yourself. exactly, exactly. Uh, so let's get into some people that we do really love. Um, the gray zone is fantastic. I think, um, but yeah, the gray zone's great. Like if I had to name like one independent anti-establishment news agency that's just kind of firing at all cylinders and really hitting it right right now like i'm just loving the gray zones coverage of everything lately mm -hmm. i listen to all their shows uh the moderate rebels uh, red line is uh red lines is Anya's show um, pushback pushback with aaron mate yeah they all have their own don't they mm -hmm. and then i think is Ben Norton? I, I think maybe he does ben, moderate rebels, right? With, with Max, but I, I didn't know if he had his own little thing that I might have saw one time. But anyway, those, those all those shows are great. I especially love Moderate Rebels. Uh, I've I've liked Max for a really long time. Uh, I read his book Republican Gomorrah from like maybe twelve years ago or so, and I just I thought his writing was hilarious, and <laughs> he has this really like mischievous nature about him that I really like, like. To me, he seems like a grand Jedi troll for the, for, the, for the establishment. Like he just loves like pissing them off, and he does it so well. And then they they staged the whole like phony arrest of him this year, and it seemed like it only emboldened him further because you cannot try to suppress somebody like Max Blumenthal without it coming back to bite you because it's just going to make him crazier and more confrontational, which it seems like it has. It really has. Yeah. Thank you, Max, for what you do. Yes. Like, <laughs> honestly, like, you, you crack me up. I love your takes uh, in every form. And him and Anya just got married this year, too. It was crazy. So, yeah. fucking power couple of the year. I didn't even know they were a couple until I saw their wedding pictures. And yeah. I'm like, wow, that's great. Yeah, you guys definitely lucked out finding someone who gets you all the way. I'm sure you have epic conversations about the corruption of the elites. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe they're morning tea conversations or coffee maybe in their case or like ours <laughs> yeah what i love about the gray zone is your foreign policy coverage you guys are i'm talking to you like you're listening <laughs> um but we're not, they, we're not there yet huh? <laughs> <laughs> um they do really great coverage because they're on the ground reporters so they go to these countries and they talk to the locals and they understand what's happening from the perspective of the people who live there not just getting talking points from the mouthpieces that run the countries mm -hmm. so their venezuela coverage is the one that i trust above all else spot on mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and they've been on the ground there yeah exactly several times i think yeah yeah Vene or, i think that's where anya and max kind of really hit it off because they went to venezuela together Mm, I did not know that. 
but yes, I mean, their, their coverage is, is fantastic. Um, uh, Aaron's uh, show, I think, was the first Gray Zone show that I came across. Um, and then I realized that he was doing uh, an independent news organization with Max and Ben Norton and Anya. And I think, was Anya on RT? I yeah, believe? she was on yeah. RT at some point. I thought so. So was Abby. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I knew... Aaron's dad, Gabor Mate, who is awesome, which we've recommended him in our videos before. Like, he will completely change your mind about drug addicts if you have a certain opinion on drug addicts. Gabor Mate, he's a, a psychologist working out of Vancouver. Um, but Aaron has really come into his own, and he is an awesome journalist. So I really love him. Yeah, he was a big debunker of the Russiagate narrative. Yes, he was a prominent voice in that, like up there with Jimmy Dore, actually. That's kind of yeah. how he... Uh, got his um, independence was yes. because he was uh, really prominent talking about that. We have an hour time limit, so we better move move through these. Oh, yeah. I didn't know there was a time limit. Yeah. So let's talk about Rising then, because okay. everyone watches Rising on the Hill TV with Crystal Ball and Sagar and Jetty, mm -hmm. and uh, they've become also sort of polarizing since the election happened. A lot of people aren't quite sure how to feel about them. Mm -hmm. uh, I personally think that. Crystal is awesome, and she really does lead the new left in a lot of ways. Um, after the election, or the primary de debacle, <laughs> where Bernie seemed to have been cut out, she didn't really want to talk that much about how everything might have been rigged, or how none of the exit polls matched, or mm -hmm. you know any of the corruption that would say that this election is a farce. That goes for almost all left-wing news coverage, though, with the exception of Lee Camp. Yeah. Uh, and we really should mention Redacted. We'll talk about them in a second. But anyway, yeah, like she, like nobody really talked about how blatantly rigged that primary was, like how much voter suppression, mm -hmm. uh, how the polls were just catastrophically wrong, uh, the exit polls were super off. I mean, that was our first video. Anybody that's listening to this that's a you know viewer of our YouTube channel probably knows that, but because it was just so outrageous. You know, we'd always talked about doing YouTube. We had always talked about getting involved and adding our voices. And then when that shadow app stuff happened like we just became more engaged than we had ever been and we're normally pretty engaged but we saw that it was going sideways and then after super tuesday that was it we're like we had to speak out yeah and i mean look i understand that crystal being a, a prominent news figure can't just come out and say the election's rigged like don't bother voting or vote third party you know she can't say any of that because Number one, she, works she still works for the establishment in a mm -hmm. sense. She lives in D.C. Yeah. But number two, if she were to say electoral politics is not working in this country because it's so corrupt, wouldn't that just kind of make her entire job like defunct? Like, Would she even have a job if she said it's all fake? <laughs> yeah. The reason they're in the news this week is because I, I forgot who wrote the article about like how Crystal doesn't really... Uh, challenge Sagar on some of his horrific takes and they are really bad. I mean, the stuff that he says about cannabis is like J. Edgar Hoover shit. Yeah. I mean, like, it, it's... Reefer madness. It is, like, old school war on drugs shit. I mean, like, it's just so anti-scientific and I, I get tired of all this terminology about the new right. It's still anti-scientific 
um, hierarchical worship nonsense. So mm-hmm. you can keep rebranding it any way you want, but when you boil it down, it's still the same shit. And yeah, I, I just, I, I, I was giving him the benefit of the doubt at first, but he's gotten so bad over the past couple months in particular that like he's just a twerp. I, don't, yeah. I really don't like him. He's really leaning into the right wing ideology. He's, he's a and careerist. He, he's he, thinking about his career. Yeah, he always has been, but now that the country is becoming so polarized from all of the recent current events, seems like he's kind of trying to separate himself back into the, the far right. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't want to make any concessions to the left. Yeah, and Crystal does need to challenge him more yeah. More on his... He, she lets him get away with bloody murder with some of the stuff that he says. And I know that the point of the show is not for them to snipe at each right. other. <laughs> but, like, you just cannot let some of that stuff go unchecked. So, uh, we haven't watched Rising as much as we used to because, like, frankly, since the election has been seemingly over the primary... I know it's not. I know Bernie's still in the race, blah, blah, blah. I just don't think that they're going to let him have it. It's not going to happen, y'all. Yeah, just, I mean, I just get, get your head out of the clouds, really, if you think that Bernie's going to swoop in and save us at this point because the establishment's not going to permit that. We have to do it through social movements. That's the only way it's going to happen. True. Please accept reality. Uh, so, people that we really love, Benjamin Dixon is just on fire right now. Uh, yeah. He's not really small. We just hadn't got to talk about him yet. Uh, that dude gains like 10 patrons a day in the middle of this economic crisis, so he's doing something right. Yeah, Ben Dixon, uh, he always does daily reviews on news stories that he wants to talk about, and mm-hmm. he's just so radical and hard-hitting. Yeah, he, he's he, like really lighting my soul on fire every day. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love listening to him. He gets me fired up and ready to do stuff. Like He's just really... He's the voice that the country needs right now. Yeah. I, I really feel that way about him. Um, yeah, he's he's just fantastic. His show is great. If you don't listen to it, you should check it out. It'll get you nice and fired up. Um, Chris Hedges, Ugh. of course, is... What can we say about Chris Hedges? He's just awesome in every conceivable way. He has been for a long time. I've read Chris Hedges. He was one of the first people I started reading whenever I woke up, and I was just amazed by the power of his writing. Um, I've never had somebody make me so depressed by listening to them talk because, like, he really does just give you the the brutal truth of the state of things. Yeah, he's been radical for decades. Mm-hmm. And his new book, America the Farewell Tour, highly recommend. It will just gut punch you mm-hmm. and make you cry. <laughs> and bo- both Chris Hedges and Benjamin Dixon come out of the church in the spirit of what the church used to be, like, back... During the Great Depression, the churches actually were a force for social justice that were like backing New Deal measures and things like that. So, you know, religion has not always been the tool of capitalism that it is today. So that, that's important to remember. No, he uses it in a sense to uplift the poor and the marginalized mm-hmm. people. Like Chris Hedges works at prisons, mm-hmm. educating prisoners. Yeah. And, like, his work is just invaluable to society. And he does that with Cornell West sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, and they're, he's, he's, of course, also awesome. And, and they, uh, I've always, like, I heard that they rode around, like, in a car, like, doing a country uh, trip together, a road trip together, like, doing speaking events. And, uh, man, would you love to be in that car just listening to those guys have a conversation? I sure would. Absolutely. Um Okay, next let's talk about The Intercept, because The Intercept definitely 
was groundbreaking in a lot of ways for its time. We owe a lot of credit to them for some journalism that really has changed the conversation globally about surveillance and many other things. But just like Democracy Now! and The Young Turks, it's not really fair to judge it as a whole because it has so many different components. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't you talk about the different people with The Intercept on and what you think about them? Yeah, I think The Intercept has a lot of really great journalists. Jeremy Scahill is one of them who we both really admire. He was a war reporter, so he's also been on the ground reporting um, from a lot of uh, uh, war zones. So He did a lot of great work on Blackwater and mm-hmm. Eric Prince. Like He's one of the reasons that we know so much about them. And it, Naomi Klein mm-hmm. is one of the Intercepts journalists, and she's amazing. We, we love her. Yeah, yeah, she's got countless books that everyone should read, like uh, Disaster Capitalism. And uh, she just recently wrote a book on the burning case for a Green New Deal. Mm-hmm. So she's an environmentalist. This Changes Everything. This Changes book. Everything is mm-hmm. her book. Yeah, she really gets it. So they have really great journalists. Also, No Logo is awesome about like all the corporate... Uh, greenwashing and woke washing and stuff like that which i'm sure we can look forward to (laughs) as we've already seen with coronavirus all these companies are trying to say they're here for us but Mm -hmm. how are they really (laughs) the intercept also has their fair share of turds like medi hassan what a clown uh like he spent the entire year bashing joe biden nonstop, and then all of a sudden the primaries wrapped up and he starts browbeating everybody to vote for Joe Biden. I mean, it just makes no sense. He he spent a whole year making the case of how horrible he was, and then <laughs> just completely changed. Very young Turks-ish. I've always had a bit of an issue with Mehdi Hassan just because he's so aggressive in his interview style. Like, he asks really leading questions, and he, sort of like Jimmy, loves to interrupt his guests, loves to be the main person talking. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, I just don't agree with him on a lot of things. But yeah. he's charismatic, so like his message penetrates, which is good, and he does have a lot of progressive ideology, but for the most part, I think that he just makes The Intercept look like a rag. <laughs> he does not do a lot for its reputation. Uh, neither does James Risen, I think his name is, the, the Russiagator guy who just pretends like every part of Russiagate was legitimate. Hmm. And... I mean, do I have doubts that Trump maybe has some shady business deals with the Russians? He probably did. But, like, the whole, the only reason he won was because Russians were spreading memes about Hillary Clinton that were true. (laughs) That's just (laughs) insulting to the intelligence of American voters. And let's be honest, American voters aren't the most informed people out there but to say that russia swayed the election that much is just insulting as if we couldn't figure out that hillary clinton was a ghoul without russian spreading memes yeah but Uh, then we have glenn greenwald on the intercept who is anti-russiagate and his voice is invaluable to journalism as a whole Mm-hmm. He's uh, he's the one that broke the Edward Snowden surveillance story. Mm-hmm. Glenn Greenwald changed my life. Like I, I was a conservative until I saw his uh, Iraq for Sale documentary, The War Profiteers, from oh, it was a long time ago now, fifteen years ago maybe. And I saw that, and I'm like, wow, that that's how it is. I mean, like it's just all about making money. And ever since then, 
completely changed my views. So I do credit Glenn Greenwald more than anybody with changing my views on a lot of things. Plus, he's just a lion, man. Like he, he really is, is. He is so unafraid. I mean, like, Bolsonaro really wants to kill him. Well, he lives in Brazil, Brazil. now mm-hmm. with his husband, who is a elected official. He's, uh, I think, yeah, he's like in their parliament or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, but he's a politician and Glenn's a journalist and... They're the, vegans. Yeah. And they have... And they have a big animal rescue. A bunch of dogs. Yep, and they have two and adopted... And they, like... Two adopted boys, don't they? Have homeless people, like, taking care of the dogs. Like, I thought they employed... I can't remember. He's just awesome in so many ways. Yeah. And, and now, now, is he perfect? No. I mean, I think some people have questions about why some of the Snowden material wasn't leaked. There, you know, there's, it's been widely talked about that maybe there was more to those documents that Glenn and others agreed to withhold for national security purposes. And Glenn has said as much. Like, mm-hmm. that's part of his journalistic uh, duty is to make sure that he's not releasing information that, that would out people, I harm guess. people, mm-hmm. or the country. And, you know, I just, I'm of the opinion that the military just shouldn't be allowed to have those kind of secrets. I, I think a fully transparent society could work if, if we set it up the right way. I think that the need for secrecy is always, uh, it's always tyrannical. Mm-hmm. It always proves to be, that's the motivations behind it. But yeah, again, the Intercept as a whole, I think, is definitely a positive force. Um, Lee Fong also is, he, he, he's another one of those that's, you know, he published the Shadow App story from the Iowa uh, debacle, but then he has some very neoliberal tweets on Twitter. You know, he seems very egalitarian, like, if you just work hard, it'll all work out for you. Uh, so again, they're all a mixed bag. Um Overall, though, The Intercept is good journalism, for sure. It, yeah, we love their weekly podcast, Intercepted. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. with Jeremy Scahill. That's, it's one of our favorite shows. If you don't listen to The Intercepted podcast with Jeremy Scahill, you really, really should. It's, yeah. it's fantastic. Um, I guess let's just let's close out the major news sources with, with one of our favorites, uh, which is uh, Abby Martin and... Robbie Martin and Mike Preisner, which is Abby's husband, right? They're, are they married or are they just, I don't know. They're, they're together. They, they just they're had together. a baby. Yeah, and they During did. During the revolution. Yeah, which is, it, it's crazy. I didn't even know Abby was pregnant the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Abby Martin started Empire Files. Mm-hmm. Well, first it was Breaking the Set mm-hmm. way back on RT mm-hmm. back in the day. That's where I first saw Abby Martin, and I thought she was awesome. I'm like, well, here's my soul sister right here, because the way that she was talking about everything is exactly how I felt about it. She's also an on-the-ground reporter. Mm-hmm. She's done really excellent work covering the crisis with Palestinians mm-hmm. against Israel. Probably my favorite investigative journalist yeah. in the world. And un- untarnished. I mean, again, I love Glenn Greenwald, but there's a few little things that I've you know found a question about him over the years. Abby, I've never doubted her for a second on anything. No, me neither. She's very cutthroat. She's just dripping with compassion. Like, you know that she really feels for the people that she's trying to help by covering. She sounds angry all the time, but it's because she's angry at people being in pain. She's angry at the injustice. Exactly, and you can tell that from her. Yeah. The Media Roots uh, radio podcast with her and her brother is outrageously good. We, We love that. It's probably been our favorite thing that we've listened to since everything went down. 
And then Empire Files, of course, is Abby and Mike's project together. And that's been on YouTube for a very long time now. Um, it, it was on Telesaur, which was a Venezuelan news network. And then didn't they get usurped or something? Where no, they, they got taken down. Yeah, I, I can't remember exactly what happened with that. But now Telesaur you can... has been suppressed so many mm-hmm. times. Yeah, of course. Uh, but they recently came out with their new movie, Gaza Fights for Freedom, mm-hmm. which is excellent. And, um, yeah, everything that she does is just really honest reporting. Mm-hmm. And they're just terrific. I just love the little the little family of journalists. It's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they do a really good job. Um, She's actually uh, recently started a lawsuit against the state of Georgia because she wanted to be able to talk about boycott Davis sanctions mm-hmm, for Israel for Israel mm-hmm. to help Palestinians during one of her public speaking events but it's actually written in law that you are not allowed to say anything against Israel or about BDS in, in Georgia in the state of Georgia yeah. and it's that law is written into many states across the US yeah. which really goes to show just how deep our ties with the tyrannical government of Israel are. Like, the United States and Israel are best friends, and a lot of people don't realize this. Mm-hmm. Like, it, we are propping up a dictator over there, someone who's committing genocide against Palestine, and they're silencing people in our own country from talking about this. You can just watch how the maps of Israel and Palestine have changed over the years to see how much Palestinian, how much Palestinian land has been seized. And... Not only that, but it's just a complete breakdown of the separation of church and state as well because there's all this far-right support for Israel because these religious fanatics really believe that that's like we have to reclaim that land for Christ to come back or some crazy shit. I mean, like, I just... You can't make this stuff up, man, that there are really people this crazy that feel like some vague statement was written down in a holy book 2,000 years ago. So now that means that we have to throw these people off their land and, and steal it from them and kill them. I mean, <laughs> And to say otherwise, to be for the right to Palestinian life mm-hmm. means that you're anti-Semitic. <laughs> yeah, the, the anti-Semitism claim is just ridiculous. I mean, it, it just, it's used in bad faith most of the time. Uh, rarely is it used in good faith anymore. It always seems like it's coming out of like the neocon camp whenever somebody's called anti-Semitic for not supporting Israel. But it's just a, it's just a jumping-off point for military operations in the Middle East as well. I mean, it's it's very conveniently located, mm-hmm. uh, and it's right there next to all those countries that really really love us. <laughs> so. <laughs> Poor Abby, though. She's really been thrown through the ringer as an American journalist because she's been called an anti-Semite for uh, protesting for Palestine. She's also been called a Russian agent because she used to work on Russia Today, RT America. So, But, you know, you're not really considered a real threat as a journalist in this country until you've been called a Russian agent. So I say she's on the right side. There, there's been a lot of good journalists that worked for RT that in no way would collude with Russia in a million years, like Chris Hedges. The whole Russia collusion narrative mm-hmm. is just propaganda anyway. Yeah. And like and like Lee Camp. Let's talk about Redacted real, real quick. Cause yeah. Uh, Redacted Tonight is a show that's still on RT. Uh, they also have a YouTube channel, and they're great. They, they do really hard-hitting journalism, and they're very anti-establishment. 
And if there is a single example of outright suppression by YouTube, I think Redacted Tonight is takes the cake for that. They those guys should have so many more views by now. They've been doing it for years and years and years and like they do have a decent amount of subscribers, but I just don't think their videos get shown that much because you never see one of their videos with a ton of views and not only do they give hard-hitting information, but you know they're genuinely funny for the most part. Yeah, yeah. Lee Camp is a comedian, but he mm -hmm. also ties in really hard-hitting politics at the same time. Mm -hmm. His work is amazing. I love Lee Camp mm -hmm. and everyone who's on Redacted tonight. Another vegan brother. Yeah, he is vegan. <laughs> <laughs> Are you seeing a theme here? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it, like the, these shows deserve a lot bigger audience than what they're getting and we need an open source video platform for mm -hmm. sure like yeah. we, we cannot it's so one-sided to let a multinational decide who gets promoted and who doesn't i mean obviously they're going to act in their own interest and talking make, about google and yeah youtube like, exactly or even twitter for that matter or mm -hmm. facebook any yeah any social media platform yeah these people who run these platforms have financial incentives to make sure that these videos don't get seen because they're not advertiser friendly. Mm -hmm. And if you're talking about anti-capitalism, well, a capitalist platform or company is not really going to be wanting to show your videos. Yes. <clears throat> so to close out, let's just talk about some of our favorite smaller YouTubers who are doing really good work but don't get nearly as much credit or views as we think they deserve. And we really want to start here with Democracy at Work, which is Richard Wolff's channel. He is a socialist Marxist economist, and he has been doing excellent work for decades now. He's an old soul. He's an older man as well, which I think might be some of the reason why his work is not as popular with younger people. But he is, in fact, a brilliant economist. He is married to Dr. Harriet Fraud, who is also a socialist psychologist, and she does amazing work at connecting how capitalism affects our mental health and our family lives, which is something that I don't hear most people talking about. So she does really in-depth analysis, and you should check out her podcast, When Capitalism Hits Home. I think it's just Capitalism Hits Home. Yes, yeah. Capitalism Hits Home. But yes, it's a very, very good show. Um, and Economic Update is Richard Wolf's podcast. Both of those podcasts should definitely be in your weekly uh, listening list. Like they're, they're very good at explaining both the economic uh, and financial consequences of our way of life. Um, that from Richard Wolf, and then like the emotional and psychological consequences are very well explained by Dr. Fraud. So definitely give both of them a listen. And, and you know, if you're going to support certain channels on YouTube, I would definitely recommend them as one because they, they really need to get the word out there. And, like, they explain Marxism and the detrimental health uh, and mental effects of capitalism better than just about anyone that I've ever seen. Yeah, their work is really important. And I think what they do really well is kind of show the problems with our economic system but then offer a real-life socialist alternative mm -hmm. because a lot of people especially in America just can't envision another way other than what we're doing now 
Yes. And they have this idea that in socialist economies that people don't work mm-hmm. or we don't like trade or mm-hmm. anything like that. They don't make anything. They don't have factories or anything. They, it, do, they yeah. just sit around and the government hand delivers everything to the doorstep. Literally is what people think <laughs> socialism means. <laughs> so Richard Wolff does an amazing job at showing what socialist work systems are like where it's more democratic and where the workers actually own the business and get more of the profits from their labor whereas our capitalist system everything's owned by one person or corporation and they kind of just steal all the wealth Mm -hmm. there's a better way out there and he does an awesome job at showing that yeah and I, i think we should make some time to talk about um YouTubers that aren't necessarily like news or educational uh, organizations. Well, they're not journalists so, yeah, or reporters, exactly. but they do have political analysis. Yes, and some of them have been very instrumental in de-radicalizing a lot of people, and I think they deserve at least a mention here. Like in, de-radicalizing them on the right. Yeah, de-radical like taking people out of the alt-right pipeline and bringing them back to a healthier understanding of what's going on. Um, Innuendo Studios is a great YouTube channel if you've ever watched them. They have the Alt-Right Playbook video series. And they do a great job of explaining exactly how right-wing disinformation does what it does, how it sucks people in, and how it sounds convincing uh, to certain people. Um, And another really great one that I love is ContraPoints. Natalie Wynn is a YouTuber, a transgender woman, and she has done amazing work at, like you said, de-radicalizing the alt-right people who just have no sympathy or understanding of what it's like to be a transgender person. And I think that her work has really helped people like come to terms with their humanity. Mm-hmm. We often look at the other like they have no humanity and she and her work has really helped people like kind of understand what it's like to be that person and her video presentations are just fantastic i mean she has very elaborate sets and costumes and everything else her aesthetic is very special is great (laughs) and she she's very vulnerable and she shares a lot of the internal struggles that she has with dysmorphia and all of that which is her honesty is very, very refreshing. Mm-hmm. Philosophy Tube is is kind of similar, actually, in set pieces and makeup and all of that. I don't know exactly how long he's been doing it. He recently came out as queer as well. Um, but he has very coherent narratives, and his videos are extremely entertaining. And he definitely has a lot of teaching uh, that he does. Pop Culture Detective is one of my favorites, he uses, uh, you know, popular stories and popular media, whether it's Stranger Things or Star Wars or anything like that, and he uses that media to spread social justice messages. And he's done a lot of work on breaking down toxic masculinity. Yes, yeah, and like how sexual harassment of men is always played for laughs versus you know women's taken seriously. A lot of it's, you know, it's it's very compelling stuff. And also, he's a video editor, like, in his professional life. So his videos are very polished and, and very nice to look at. Unfortunately, we only get one per quarter, it seems yeah. like. I mean, he, he puts, one video he puts out, like, one video every three months. But when he does drop one, they're amazing. Um, I guess we should talk about Vosh just for a second. 
Just for a second. I don't yeah. think he deserves that much time. I mean, it's. I don't want to say he's a negative force necessarily. I just think that his... He's just drama. Yeah. Like, he seems like that he is about... Uh, well, I don't know what, what word I would use to describe it. It's like It's like woke criticism, I guess. Like, if you, like... If you say something that's not sensitive to a certain group or is perceived that way, he's kind of an attack dog that comes after you. And while I think that there is, there should be a healthy space for correcting people, I don't know. His whole tone and presentation just doesn't, it doesn't do it for me. It just seems like that he really loves to argue. <laughs> well, that's his whole platform is being a debater. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know. I mean, like, I, there's other people that are carrying the same message that he is, and I think just doing it in a way that is more attractive and inclusive. Again, different strokes for different folks. Some exactly. people, some people might actually love the way that Vosh is, but I don't. Uh, I just, I don't know. I've tried to watch him a few times. You know, I definitely want to give everybody a fair shot, and I just, I don't know. I just don't like the way that that, that he does his messaging, and that's just my personal opinion. Yeah, some people hear a compassionate, well-put-together message, and that's enough to make them see their side. Mm -hmm. But other people really do like confrontation and, and drama and debating, and that's how they determine which side they're on. Like, basically, whoever wins the argument. So, in that sense, he definitely is a positive force, because he has brought a lot of people from the right and the center closer to the left. Mm -hmm. He is a leftist, ultimately. He's just yeah. a more aggressive leftist in totally. his messaging. And that's fine. Just, it's not my style, personally. I just have a problem with all the infighting on the left, period. That The, yeah. the right is so much more... Um, cohesive. Cohesive and organized and effective. Uh, I mean... They always back each other up. Always. And, and they get their stuff done. You know, like they, they what they want to have done in government, they get it done by working as one cohesive unit. But that's I mean, easy because their platform is whatever makes big business bigger. Yeah. And whatever makes uh, Christianity more powerful. <laughs> so it's not like it's hard to win when you're a Republican or you're on the right. <laughs> well, I mean... If you want to take power away from corporations and give it to people like we do on the left, then it's that's very an hard uphill to battle. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, I'm not admiring anything about the right. I'm just saying that as far as getting stuff done and working together, we could actually take some lessons there, you know, because, like, there are small differences on the right, but just not, they're not debated endlessly, and there's not entire YouTube channels <laughs> dedicated to them. True. Like there are on the left. I mean, there are so many leftist drama channels that it seems like that they want to just talk shit about other leftists all day long. And weaponize identity politics. Yes, and it's not very... I mean, like, there, of course, identity politics is important, but my goodness, you know, like, can we please not take our eyes off the prize that all of these problems come from the system? And if we change the system, we will fix all these problems as a side effect. Um... Okay, j just little bitty shows that we want to talk about. They're not really little bitty, but they're they're smaller, uh, and they need more followers. Bitchy Shit Show, uh, those girls are really great. They're, um, they, they basically do a combination of comedy and laughing a lot and serious narratives, and 
they're very passionate and we like them a lot we we've actually we've talked to them a few times uh through twitter and stuff and yeah they have a really great very candid podcast that they do every week mm-hmm. and they are self-described anarchists which mm-hmm. is amazing because i think that perspective is one that is definitely underrepresented underrepresented mm-hmm. on the left mm-hmm. Uh, the Seriously Wrong podcast is really great. It's two Canadian guys, uh, and they, they're they library socialists. and they, Utopian socialists yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they they have a, a like a thesis for the episode and then like they they deconstruct or propose like any possible argument that could be for or against this. They just kind of hash it out and talk it out the whole time. It's really, really in-depth analysis, but combined with comedy skits that are really funny. So uh, we, we very much like them. And then um, Vegan Vanguard podcast is another good one with Mexi. Mexi has a YouTube channel as well. She's really good. Um, also vegan. Yeah, also vegan. But I mean, like she, they talk about veganism sometimes, but the their main uh, topic is like systemic problems and um, socialism and. Social justice, social justice, all of that. It's 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 a very very good show. Yeah, she's very educated and Mm -hmm. intelligent. And we're sure that there's a lot more people that we haven't talked about here, but we don't want to make this episode run super long. (laughs) Yeah. So we'd love to hear from you guys who your favorite leftist YouTubers and journalists are, Mm -hmm. and if we missed any on the list, and if you agree with some of our people and you love them too, we'd like to hear about that as well. Definitely. And just let us know what you guys thought about this, just having more of a casual conversation. Of course, we're not going to start stop doing our YouTube videos you know, with our narratives as they are, but this is just something that's more of a, an alternative just for everybody to get in on the conversation and just kind of give a feedback uh, on it. Maybe have some members of the tribe call in in the future and we can talk to them over the phone like during the podcast and have conversations that way. Really just looking for your feedback on what you think we should do with this. Yeah, and I'd like to see what you guys think about maybe turning the podcast into a sort of weekly news story breakdown. Mm -hmm. That's something that I would kind of like to do, where we choose three or four stories throughout the week that really affected us and then talk about them on the podcast from a leftist perspective. And what the implications may be for the future and everything involving those stories. Yeah, Yeah, I like that idea a lot. Yeah, so let us know what you think. And I guess we'll tune in for the next video and podcast. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this, and please let us know what you thought. Word. Peace. (laughs) Solidarity. Peace and solidarity, tribe. Bye.